Welcome back, Bucket Busters. I'm your host, Tim Johnson, and this is the Busted Bucket Podcast. Locally grown here in Portland, Oregon, the city of roses, city of bridges, Stumptown PDX. This is a show dedicated to Rip City and everyone who loves Portland basketball. Joining me today is my co-host, Eric, the Encyclopedia Foster. What's up, Celtics fans? <laughs> I like that. That's a good segue right into the show. Look, man, we got a Boston Celtics Golden State Warriors final series started today. I got to say, I couldn't be happier at the outcome. Boston wins it 120 to 108. Eric, did you see this coming? Well, I did pick Boston coming out of the East, and I'm going to go ahead and continue to ride with the the Portland homegrowns over there on the bench in Beantown and say that I think that Boston is different than any team that Golden State has probably ever seen in the playoffs or in the I should say the finals um and I'm gonna I'm I'm picking Boston and that was before what we just saw happen in the fourth quarter uh which was a remarkable comeback by Boston they should feel really good they walked into uh you know a dynasty's home court, you know, hung with them for three quarters, fell behind, and then mounted a comeback for the ages on Golden State's home floor and waxed them going away. You know, what was the final score? 120, 108. Yeah, man. Uh, and, and we got to give it up for Old Man Horford. I, I, old Man Horford. He got to the Celtics, or he got to the finals and he was, he's ready. Dude. Leading scorer for the Celtics with 26 points. Yeah, he's he's been clutch. I mean, Al Horford, they gave away, you know, really, uh, and sent him over to Philly. But he found his way back to Boston, man, and he's kind of become the heart and soul of that team. Not kind of, he just kind of is. He absolutely is. And, you know, I got to say, the one thing that's scary, and one thing I would be concerned about if I was Golden State, Jason Tatum did not have a good night. Well, he was three for seventeen from the field with twelve points. But you know how that goes, right? I mean, Boston plays. You got to contain somebody. Yeah, I mean, but Boston plays such a great style of team basketball, mm-hmm. you know, and their coach has done a great job of developing everybody so that when Tatum is shout out to Ime. Yeah, for sure, Portland homegrown man, Jefferson Democrat. You know, Portland State Viking. Um, yeah. Former Trailblazer, you know, just. Uh, but back to my point, it's, it's team basketball, right? They're playing great team basketball. They do it on the offensive end and they do it on the defensive end. So that when one person doesn't have it going on offense, there's four other guys that can carry the load at any time. And Tatum is still going to be a threat. You know, on defense, they play phenomenal heads-up defense. They... They cover the pick and roll really well based on the defensive players they have up front, you know, mm-hmm. and they play a great team defense. So they have all these good individual team defenders, and then they have, you know, because an, a great individual defender is not always a great team defender. They are lucky enough to have both. So their five best defenders are both individually skilled and also play a great collective team game. So they're just really right. hard to beat. Right, absolutely. And, you know, I know the Heat gave them a run for their money, but I've always thought that Boston looks like a finals team. They look like a championship roster. 
um, going into this, I, I think you and I both agreed that we both wanted, I mean, for various reasons, a lot of them similar, but we wanted Boston to win the championship this year. You know, there's a lot of homegrown talent that's on this Boston roster, whether it be uh, players or the coaching staff. Um, you know, it's, it's really cool to see, man. And especially, I mean, you were breaking down that, that fourth quarter a little bit. I mean, you said, did you say it already? They scored a 40-piece in yeah. the fourth quarter? 40 points on a three-time championship team's home court in a fourth quarter. That's a game that Golden State should win. You know, like, they on, should. on pedigree alone, they should win. And I should say, Horford, by the way, going back, Boston didn't trade him. He signed in philly and just made his way back and got traded back to boston but in any case in any case and, and you also love to see draymond fouling out yeah <laughs> you know, I, I mean i love i love draymond i really do but if you're if you're going to be rooting for boston you want to see someone like draymond foul out because you're talking about horford being the heart and soul of the boston celtics you cannot deny that Draymond Green is the heart and soul of the Golden State Warriors, and to, to you, you essentially rip their heart out. What's when funny Draymond too is, is like the court. they're not similar in play, but they're similar in role, right? Like Horford's like the do everything guy for uh, Boston, and then Dre is the do everything guy for Golden State, but their attitudes are so different. It's like, it's literally yeah. like watching good versus evil. You know, it's like, you have like, you got like <laughs> yeah. he man over here. You got like Skeletor <laughs> over here. And that's how it, or like Optimus prime, like Al Horford stands for what's good. And then you have like, you have Megatron on the opposite side, just trying to get under your skin and needle you and man, do whatever. Are you, are you, are you making a good versus evil argument here in the, in the NBA finals? It kind of is man. Like, like the Warriors are the enemy here. Like they're they're the villains. I think I think they are. Even though I mean, even though they're kind of like a, a comeback story in a sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but this I think it actually goes back to you know the Dark Knight man. More another comic book reference, but you either <laughs> die the hero, which they almost did, or you, or you live, live long, long enough, enough to, to see be, yourself become, become the, the villain. villain. And like. <laughs> They almost flatlined, and then they were able to bounce back. But now people are rooting for them to lose. You know what's funny is I think you're right. I think you are 100% right. And I got to say, though, we are, you know, as Trailblazer fans, the Warriors are going to be our natural enemy, right? They're a California team. They've won champ multiple championships. They waxed you know, they us in 19. They to wax us. Yes. Yes. So... Maybe we're a little biased, but I got to say, I think in this instance, you are correct for the vast majority of people. Yeah, now, so. going into this, again, back to my original point, we, we had hoped that Boston would end up taking the series. I got to ask you for your prediction now, because we've got game one in the books. Boston takes it by quite a bit with a, a miraculous fourth quarter comeback. What are your predictions for the rest of the, the series? Uh, I think Golden State probably wins the next one for sure. And then I have to give you that. Yeah. And then it's just whether or not Boston can hold it down back in Beantown and go up 3-1 coming back. If they win if they, if they win both those games it goes 6 games. If they go if they split 
and end up, you know, it tied at 2-2, I think it probably goes seven games. But if they end up going the 3-1 and they they lose this next one, then win two in Boston, or, you know, by some chance win this next one and then lose one in Boston, but still get two chances to close it out because, you know, the, the finals um, format is different. It's two home, two away, and then um, – or, I'm sorry, three away and then two home. So Boston could close it out if they lose. So you're, you're, if they, you're predicting if they lose yeah, on Saturday, they can right. they could win out in Boston and if not I'm come back to right, Oracle. Though, you're you're predicting that they're probably gonna win in Golden State though, because you're saying six or seven mm-hmm. games. Yeah, no, but remember the format's different. It's two, three, two. So they're gonna play one more game in Oracle, then they're going back to Boston for three. So if they lose one. Yeah, but that's that's only five games. Yeah, but they they could go. F- they could win out in Boston and go five and if they go three one, win those first two, they could close it out that next game. If they don't, so you think it, it has the potential to go only five games? It can go five, six, or seven depending on how it's how it plays out and how they split the games up. But if they I don't, think, it, I think this series is going to go the distance because the thing about the Golden State Warriors is you can never count them out. You no. have arguably the greatest shooter in the history of the game in Steph Curry. You've got Draymond Green who can alter the game any given night. Then you've got someone like Wiggins who is kind of their spark plug, uh, plays great defense, and then Clay Thompson, which. I personally feel like you don't, you still don't really know what you're gonna get from Clay. Well, it was the He's defense. Not fully back. It was the D, man. It was all about the defense, and they played. Boston got it together the last sixteen minutes of the game. You know, like the first thirty-two minutes, it was suspect. Obviously, Steph went off that first quarter, but once they realized what they needed to do. And they kind of just funneled everything through Steph, mm-hmm. which is what you want to do anyway. I mean, you can't, you're not going to win with one guy in the finals unless, you know, you're the, the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron back when, <laughs> you know, and that's how they made their push. I mean, they play great D, they got their composure under control. It's like, and then obviously Golden State was really hot and started missing shots. Yeah. You know, it's like, those are the breaks of the game, and Boston put themselves in a position to win. And they seem to my do that a lot, is, man. They do that a lot. They did it against Miami. Here's here's the thing. I think that, that Boston actually had the edge going into this game because, and I, you see it a lot with football, with the bye weeks. The Warriors had a lot of time off in between their conference championship to the first game of the finals whereas boston didn't have as nearly as much time and they played it all the way through right like they they were playing many more games and they're hungry the man Warriors. so they were they're they're yes they're hungry but they're they're still i don't want to say the only thing I, I can think of is is they're more prepared but they're just more game ready yeah. than the golden state warriors so with all due respect point. to the warriors too Oh, absolutely. Boston has but, had a much tougher time in the playoffs. They've faced better opponents than Golden State yes, faced. Yes. They started off with the Nets. Then they had to go beat the defending champs. Then they had to beat a very good Miami team. Mm-hmm. Golden State did not have the same route to the NBA Finals. Well, you let's know? just call it what it is. Like I, they, mean, I mean, let's call a spade a spade here. The East was stronger than the West Yeah, this year. I mean, they beat uh, the Luka 
Mavericks in the conference finals. Like <laughs> the the Dallas Lucas. Yeah, like the the Dallas Doncic. Yeah, that's not a that's not a competition. Doncic. You know they had they, they got Golden uh, Golden State, not Golden State. They had a they got New Orleans to start the playoffs. You know that team didn't even mm-hmm. wasn't even five hundred. No offense, CJ. We right. still love you. We do. Well, and and they still were without Zion as well. So I mean, yeah, like, you're absolutely right. So they're they've ran through the gauntlet. They've already seen. They played arguably better teams than Golden State, mm-hmm. and beat them already. And and that's and that's why I'm saying that I think that that gives Boston the upper hand for this first game. Now game two, I fully expect the Golden State Warriors to come through and steamroll the Celtics. Whether that happens or not, obviously that remains to be seen. But I have a feeling, man, and I'm telling you right now, you can quote me. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna dial down my prediction to one, and I'm gonna say it's gonna be Boston in five. It's this is gonna be a repeat of the 2004 NBA Finals between the Detroit Pistons and that you superstar. Think out? I think the team defense and the team ball offense because that's I mean that's what it is that's how Detroit won was lockdown defense and a you know Chauncey Billups style uh, workman Detroit Pistons team they beat the Lakers with Malone Peyton Kobe and Shaq and Rick Fox and I think every I think there are a couple other guys on that team that I coming off the bench Derek Fisher was still there yeah so I mean on paper you'd say Golden State but in practice, I think you say Boston, and I think Boston will do it in five. I think my prediction is is Boston's going to take this series, but I, I don't think it's going to be as quick as five. I think it's going the distance. I think it's going to go seven games. I think Golden State's going to make it a challenge for Boston, and I think Boston's going to be better for it, to be honest. But I do think Boston's taking it. Are you surprised Boston made it this far, though? No. Are you surprised they, are you surprised they took down... Miami after that seven game series? No, because I thought Milwaukee was better than Miami. So that they Oh, hundred percent. Be- but I thought Jimmy Buckets was gonna will it into existence. Yeah, I mean, but that's the problem with Jimmy Butler, is that he is a fantastic basketball player. Uh but his makeup sometimes leaves you empty handed. You know, because a lot of his stuff is based on effort and not you know, natural basketball skill. He's turned himself into that. And sometimes you just need that skill guy. You need that. I got, I got to ask you though, uh, that CJ that McCollum shot, type, that final shot Jimmy took the three pointer. Was that, was that a shot? If you were the coach of the Miami heat, is that a shot you could live with? With you, with your best player taking a three pointer, even though he's not really known as a three point shooter, he's actually pretty terrible. Well, yeah, I think he shot 20% in the playoffs from three, <laughs> but I think it, you dial it back to two things and that they're both questions. So the first question is, has Jimmy Butler done enough to take that shot without being questioned? And I, okay, I think a lot I of people are going to yes. say, yes, I will answer that question. Yes. Okay. Then has. the second question is, even so, do you want him taking that shot? Hell no. And I, I think will, I would I think never be okay with lie, the though, right? buckets three. <laughs> so, but that's it's like okay, you can. I understand you, the will to win, but yep. at the same time, you have a chance to either win or you can 
tie it up. You might as well tie that up. You'll still have a little bit of time to finish it out. He had no legs to get to the rim at that point, though, man. He played all 48 minutes of that game. Look, man, in my opinion, if you don't have legs to get to the rim, you don't have legs to take a three. Well, you damn sure don't have legs. He didn't. It was short. It hit the front rim. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, uh, I would have rather seen him try and tie it up than go for the dagger. But, I mean, I under- at the same time, I understand why he did it. You know, you make that shot, you're the hero. You live and you die by it, right? Might as well. But, hey, this final series. First of all, I want to point out that this this playoffs this year has been one of the most enjoyable playoffs i have watched in recent memory even with all the blowouts i think this finals may be the most enjoyable that i've seen in the last 10 years i think it will end up being that way mainly because the warriors are going to lose but because it's going to be a dogfight man i don't know i, I like these, the 3-1 these, these two teams well, that was good too, but when was that though? 17. Okay, so maybe not 10 years, but okay. Regardless, 5 years. I think that that these two teams are so opposite of each other. You know, you got one team full of these all-star players. 16, 16. And another team that is built upon a team mentality that it's just going to be exciting. It's going to be fun to watch. And I can't wait to to celebrate the Boston victory because those Portland boys deserve it. I mean, Eme really did a great job. So, First you, year head coach. Well, and first they, year. And they were, they were pretty bad for the first, you know, 30 games of the season. 30, you know, 40 games of the season. <laughs> It wasn't until yeah. the second half of the season that they turned around and, I mean, just caught fire and started really buying in. But, you know, you know, shout-out to Damon Stoudemire, another former Trailblazer that's over there in Boston, Aaron Miles, state champ, you know, Kansas City – or, I'm sorry, Kansas Jayhawk. It's like you got, a, you got a lot of Portland guys over there. You know, Peyton Pritchard's over there. You know, Ennis Cantor played there. Gary Payton played there. I mean, there's a lot of Northwest connections, to, and not to mention – you know, Boston was the LA Lakers' biggest rival, and there's <laughs> nobody that we hate more than Laker boys. So, <laughs> you ain't wrong. You, you know, ain't wrong. it's easy to root for Boston. Absolutely is, Eric. I want to pivot to the Blazers. Whew. There's some news that uh, came out today. Uh, Just I don't know do it. Where you were or what you were doing, but I got at work my day job. I got a, a ping on my phone that said Phil Knight made an offer to purchase the Blazers with the help or in partnership, however you want to say it, with the owner of the Dodgers. Apparently, he made a reported, uh, actually it was over a $2 billion offer to purchase the Trailblazers. What does that mean to you? Uh, Based on the press release from portland the, the the organization they want more than two billion dollars that's what fair enough is. and just just to to expand upon that jody uh shortly after came out well i don't want to say jody the the paul allen trust which jody is the head of 
uh, came out and said the team is not for sale at this time. Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? Join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. They're for sale. I mean, Silver came out and of said it. Of course they are. Of he- course they are. Adam Silver. Now, you're right. Adam Silver pregame was talking about it. And he was saying, well, and actually previously before this, he was saying that, of course, he expects the team to be sold. But what I found was cool, since you mentioned Adam Silver, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but pregame today, Adam Silver mentioned that he would prefer not to entertain the idea of relocation because the Trailblazers have been here for 50 plus years and they've had a terrific fan base, terrific support. Well, they turn a profit. They absolutely They're do. a small market team that turns profit, so you don't want to move them. You know that you could put an expansion team in Seattle and it would immediately take off like that because of what they're missing in the Sonics and what they do right now right. with the, you know, like, oh, we can't have another sports team. They got the, they bring the Kraken in and the Kraken games are all sold out. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they have Major League Soccer there. They have baseball there. They have football there. Can I just there. take this time to to make maybe a public announcement to any of the city leaders that may or may not be listening to this show that people are hungry for sports franchises. People are hungry for sports franchises in Portland. Bring us NHL. Bring us, bring us MLB. Bring us. And again, this is something that's been reported. Bring us WNBA. Bring us the sports. I'm saying like, who was, who was for sale? Was the, was it the Expos? Yeah. Montreal was for... uh, poss- po- the Expos and, and possibly the the A's were thinking about relocating. I mean, Portland Diamond Project. Shout out to Mike Barrett, who's you know who works on who's working on that. You know, he's working on securing a a, a proper bid for a, an MLB team. That'd be awesome, man. Going to a, there's nothing like a baseball game. Baseball games are so Dude, fun. How awesome would it be to play hooky from work and just go catch a catch a game? Yeah, go eat some hot dogs, drink some beer. Or soda if you don't drink beer. Yeah. How awesome would that be? Just chilling in the sun. I would go watch nice it. I mean, I hate day. hockey, but I still I would I would I would go to an Look, NHL game. I love all sports, and I would go see a hockey game, especially an NHL hockey game. I've never been to an NHL hockey game. Like, and on that note, bring us the NFL. Yeah. I would. Man, I, I'm, I'm jonesing for an NFL team. I'm telling people aren't gonna they're gonna hate me, man. But tear down Memorial Coliseum. I mean, it's you a, can't, you can't. It's a historical. I, I know you they can't. need to do something about that. that thing, dude. Every time I'm in there, I'm like, why are we even in this building? Absolutely. Like, and people I, are like, I, oh, it's it's not Memorial. Col- it's Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Man, you've been down there and seen that that veterans pool. Like, that looks hey, like it's when, a scene. You could film a scene from Walking Dead there right now. <laughs> When's the last time you were in there, though, for real? Uh, two summers ago for night? the Rip City three on three. Oh, okay, okay, that's fair. I was outside. But besides that, besides that, it's like, I, I mean, inside though. 
Uh, like even Fright Night, like that's in like the basement or something. Like the no, what was rush. I there for? I went there for something. I saw something there. I'll, t- I'll tell you, the last time I was there was probably for Ducks Memorial. It doesn't look any different. Nope. Still sad as it was that day. Yeah, dude, it's been sad. It's they, but we could put sports there. Those I'm saying, like, there's a there's enough space. Yeah. I'm gonna do something about the area. I mean, nobody is gonna take us seriously until that place gets, that area gets cleaned up. Absolutely, I think that would be a perfect spot for another another stadium of of some kind. You know, whether it be, I think it might be a little too small for the NFL. But you, you know, couldn't do NFL the, there because you need fifty. You need you need something that's you gonna need, seat thirty, forty thousand. Yeah, you. But you could put an NHL team there. Why not? The Winterhawks were playing there. I don't know if they currently do anymore. I think they've been playing at the Rose Garden, or excuse me, Moda Center. It will always be known to me as the Rose Garden. But you know, you could put you could put a lot of stuff there. Why not? Why don't you Why don't you tear it down? Isn't it like, well, I don't know about historical buildings. I don't know if you could take down any walls, but you know, there are some some building codes or something where as long as you leave one wall up, you can rebuild whatever you want. Like just do that. <laughs> like I, you know, I get it. So many good times there, man. But it's like people yeah. had good yeah. times in houses that were painted with lead paint too. It's like, but when it's not not feasible to be there anymore, you had to do something about that. And if Absolutely. you want, what, do you, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do as a city? Just let it rot? Well, and what are you gonna do too? Like you think about it. Like you're gonna go to somebody and they're you're gonna say, oh yeah, we need to put this out in Hillsboro, or we need to put this out in Gresham, or we need to go put this out nope. in. And they're gonna go. I Why? Say you nobody's can't. gonna go, but people will go. Oh, man. People will go. Logistically, it already makes sense traffic-wise to put it there. You know, you're not... Yes. No major traffic changes. You're talking changes. not where the Memorial Coliseum is, Yeah, right? we're, Yeah. Because you... because it, it kind of it kind of makes sense. I, mean, I guess I'm playing devil's advocate, but it does kind of make sense to put it on the outskirts just because, you know, you can improve on the, on the, uh, the roads out there, the infrastructure... Whereas you can't do a whole lot around the Rose Quarter. Well, I mean, that's what I mean, though. It's already designed for that amount of traffic. It's already designed to carry that. Yeah, I mean, it does every day. I suppose it does. I mean, you think about putting out in Gresham. Let's be honest. Nothing's going out in Gresham. Well, they did. They were looking at that old, uh, the Kmart. They were talking about taking the Kmart building and putting an MLB stadium there. You know what they should do? They should put it. Are you talking over? Well, this is still Portland though. The the old Kmart off of uh, was it one twenty second? No, see, they were talking about putting up the Kmart in Gresham over off two twenty third. Okay, they should put it over off one twenty second. Yeah, yeah. Bring in some money to the area, beautify it a bit. Yeah. You know, put, some par- put some more parks in. Six hookers at every entrance. <laughs> <laughs> What's your flavor? This, this, this is a not safe for work podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you took ready it to there. swing that bat, big boy? <laughs> hey, man. So I asked you what what you think that means, uh, Phil Knight buying the. Oh the yeah, team, but yeah. I gotta say, I know we we strayed so far off that road. I just want to say to me, Phil Knight could not be a more perfect candidate to buy this team because. To me, that means Portland's not going anywhere. And Phil Knight has more money than God. Yeah, he does. He does. And not to mention, if we ever go through a rebuild, you know he's going to spend the money. Be, those, jersey, those jerseys would be fire and would make it so easy to watch a rebuild. 
I'm I'm telling you now, if Phil Knight wants to buy the Portland Trailblazers, if he's really dead set on it, he's gonna get to buy the Portland. You don't. Phil Absolutely. Knight is not a guy you say no to. You you may say <laughs> no to you know two billion five hundred thousand, but Kenzano was just on there saying that they want three billion, so they're gonna have to try to meet in the middle. Okay. Yeah, it's well, like oh here, let me write the check. I'm really hey, sorry. Cut the check, right, Phil? He's going to be like, hey, let me just lift up my couch cushion. Oh, here's that $500 million you were looking for. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I got to say, I hope Phil I – ho- I I never thought that Phil would because I I feel like I recall him saying that he, w- he never wants to wanted to be an owner of a professional sports franchise. But, man, just to be that homegrown hero and keep, keep the Blazers in town, I mean – you couldn't ask, and not to mention he's got the money to pay for the talent. I feel like that's the kind of guy that would too. It's the ultimate legacy move. Absolutely. Like Phil Knight, you're already the largest private donor to the University of Oregon. Your name's all over that place, and the and the University, uh, 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 the Oregon. It's, what? University of Oregon, and no, I was gonna say the Oregon Health and Science University. Oh. Yeah, so he's got his, I was going to say, he's got his name all over that. He founded Nike. He's kept Nike in Portland for 60 years now, 50, 50 years now. It's like the the last, the trifecta in legacy moves, you know, is. I, I got to ask you though, dude. I got to ask you. Okay, I'm sorry. This just popped up. If Phil Knight buys the Blazers, you're going to see Nike everywhere. Except on Damian Lillard. That's what I was going to ask. Damian Lillard is a loyal dude. He's been with Adidas essentially from day one. Does Phil Knight persuade him to go to the dark side? He wouldn't. Not to mention, there is Adidas branding all over the Moto Center. There is Dame's Adidas emblem. Remember, Nike doesn't own it. Phil Knight does. I'm just saying... I don't if think Phil so. Knight ha- I mean, Phil Knight. The jerseys are already Nike. The warm-ups Nike. are Nike. Dame has to I'm wear Nike saying. socks. Hey, how cool would it be to see Dame some some Dame Jordans though? Yeah, that would be heavy because he used to wear Jordans in high school. I buy those. I cop them. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, I I don't think there's a there's a better candidate to own the Blazers than Phil Knight. Phil Knight's the guy. Phil Knight is an Oregon dude. Yeah, an old Lurch, man. Adam Silver. He, uh... I think he's for it, man. He's a smart guy. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times you get the guy who follows up the last main guy, you know, David Stern. You, you kind of like, eh, not the same guy. Yeah. But both were visionaries, man. They're both very, they both were very good for the game. You know, I, Silver's I good. Right. He's not going to let some, I think you're right. some BS happen where Portland gets up and moved. Well, and let's be honest, man. How are you going to move a successful franchise like the Portland Trailblazers? Say what you will about the lack of championships, but the Blazers have been in the playoffs more often than not. They've had some really good teams here, and you're not just going to uproot a successful team that makes money for you, like you said, that makes money to another city. You're just not going to do it. No, Portland, and 
there's other aspects I think that go into that too. Like Silver was saying, there's a relationship with the fan base. I mean, Portland still sells out games. Portland's still viable in the community. People haven't turned their back on the Trailblazers. Dame's a marketable player. Portland is a nice franchise as far as attendance and value and all of those things. It's like it doesn't. You don't move that franchise. You move the franchise that's pulling eight thousand, you know, spectators in a, a twenty thousand. You know, seat venue. Exactly. Those are the teams like, that like, get moved. Like you, you move the Charlotte Hornets. You move the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, like you, you yeah. move those kind of teams. Like you, at in one point in time, I thought the Sacramento Kings were going to be moved. You know, like it's it. Those are the kind of franchises that that get moved, not the Portland Trailblazers, because one, they're the biggest show in town. You're not going to move the biggest show in town. When when the Seattle Supersonics were moved. That was one, a bad business decision. Two, underhanded too. They, it was underhanded, but also they weren't the biggest show in town. No, I mean, they to... were competing with two other major franchises. So all of you out there that are thinking, you know, are concerned about the Blazers leaving town, it's not going to happen. I think you can put that concern to rest, put it to bed. It's not happening, especially if Phil Knight buys the team. Now, Eric, I'm going to talk to you about pick number seven. Trade it. We got pick We got pick number seven coming in. There, there are some people out there that are thinking you could get a pretty good prospect here with uh, somebody like Daniels or uh, was nope. it? Nope. Uh, I'm, entertain- I'm entertaining no offers. Trade it. So recently... OG Anunobi. I can never say that name. (laughs) Anunobi. OG Anunobi. That was a callback to a previous episode, I think last season, where I could not say his name to save my life. Trade it. Trade it for him. Or trade the trade exception for him. Would you prefer prefer him or Jeremy Grant? Both. I think go get them both. You think so? Really? Because that was my next question. So... Uh, OG Ananobi emerged as a target recently. Jeremy Grant, we all know, has been a target for a while now. Um, my question is, the thing about OG is that they're saying that, at least the, the, the trade scenario that I saw was that you would trade that seventh pick and the expiring contract in uh, Bledsoe. Space, Bledsoe to Toronto for OG. Plus, you would get, uh, I think it was like 30th pick or the 32nd. I can't remember. It was a late pick. Do you think there's still enough with the picks and the current roster that you can make that trade for Jeremy Grant? Do you think the Pistons take a trade? Well, Scotty Barnes for Toronto came up huge, right? So they Absolutely. don't. They... I, I don't doubt that they can get OG. I, well, I'm just saying you might be able to get him for the trade exception. I'm just thinking you may have to pay just enough for OG on Anobi that takes you out of contention for Jeremy Grant. I would take Jeremy Grant over another 6'5 wing. Really? So you think Jeremy Grant you would rather have than OG Ananobi? Yeah, I think people really undervalue what he brings. Well, one, th- one article I read, and forgive me because I can't remember who wrote it, but... One article was comparing, uh, well, not necessarily comparing, but 
prophesizing, if you will, that OG Ananobi could potentially be that Kawhi Leonard. He maybe has a Kawhi Leonard ceiling. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's a good player, but we're talking Kawhi's a uh, generational player. True. True. Was Kawhi a generational player at 25? Yeah, yeah, he already had a... Yeah, he was. Yeah, he had an NBA Finals MVP. He also had a phenomenal coach. It's true. But so does so do they. Toronto's got a good coach. Toronto doesn't have a good coach, but I'm just again, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I would say if I had to choose between one, I'm taking I'm taking Grant because I want a guy who's six foot nine with a giant wingspan who can go and play two different positions up front. I know a lot of like Blazer Twitter hates him and they look at the analytics and they look at his shooting and all that, but you can't deny that he's a good basketball player. You know that he can put he up is. 20 points a game. You know and that he, he can... he playing on a terrible team. Yeah, and some somebody I was talking to was like, oh, well, he was like the second, third best player on a team that won 24 games. Like, you know who the second or third best player was for the 1989 New Jersey Nets who won 26 games? Buck Williams was. And he was that catalyst, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, and he was. He was the difference maker. He came to Portland, became, and he was the difference maker. And I, I'm not saying that Jeremy Grant is on that level, but I am saying that Jeremy Grant has proven himself to be a basketball player worthy of a big contract. He's been worthy of a invitation to play for Team USA and win a gold medal. He has mm-hmm. been a sought-after trade piece. So it's like I know that it's easy to armchair quarterback as a fan and go, well, he doesn't do this and do this and do this. But there's a lot of guys who get paid a lot of money who are a lot smarter and better at this than any of us are who are like Jeremy Grant is a primetime basketball player. Look, you're not going to find any arguments from me. Uh, I think it would be amazing if we could get both. But I think you're right, man. I think Jeremy Grant is the kind of guy that we need. My next question, maybe it might become a little convoluted, but... It may be hard for you to talk about as well, but the Blazers, say the Blazers get Jeremy Grant. Say the Blazers also get OG Ananobi. Is that team good enough to win a championship? Based off of what we've seen this this season in the playoffs? I think, I mean, are, we're, we're assuming that they get to re-sign Nurkic too, right? Nurkic stays the guy in the middle? Yeah, we'll, we'll assume that Nurkic is still on the team. We'll assume... Dame and Ant start at so, the one and two. So there, there you go. The, your three is OG. Then your four is Grant. Then your yep. five is Nurk. Well, that's a really good starting five. Yep. Then you've got someone probably like Winslow and Hart coming off. You the have bench. Winslow, Hart, Ingles. If you can resign Ingles. Yep. Okay. You got. Uh, you have Watford, Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still have. You still have Which, Keon Johnson. You know, Wofford and Brown, we still don't know what we have. Keon Johnson, we don't know what we have. Again, we don't know what we're gonna have to give away for Grant and and. Well, we OG, didn't get to the but... we didn't get to the biggest catalyst, right? You still got Nasir Little. Yep, absolutely. But coming off injury, so you have a pretty stacked. You have a team. What you're really missing is you're missing another vet. You need one. Yes. You need a, a solid. 10, 12, 13, 14-year guy to fill out the end of your bench. You need that guy. You know, the Mo it's Williams. Sound crazy. It's going to sound crazy, but you need someone like a Chandler Parsons. Yeah, he can't play anymore, though. You mean Chandler? You mean Tyson Chandler? 
No, I mean Chandler Parsons. Wait, the guy that Dame eyeballed from Houston? Yes, absolutely. He, you might need him to imagine, coach. He imagine, can't play. imagine him coming off. I'm just saying, if he still can't play, if he could, you need someone like that to come off the bench. Yeah. You could play the three or the four. You're still going to have Eubanks to, to back up the center, which is fine. He played fine. He's a fine backup. It's going to be an interesting dynamic, however they do it. I definitely am anticipating them to be very active. I, I would hope so. Because if you're not active, what are you doing? Right. Well, speaking of being active, there's more ways to be active because they have more guys in the front office now, right? So They do. Is that? I mean, how does that play into the whole thing, too, right? They hire these well, all these assistant the GMs. Here's the thing. So one of the, for me, the the biggest hire here is Mike Schmitz. Yeah. As the assistant GM. And he's going to lead the scouting department. So that, to me, initially, I thought, now, hold on a second. They're hiring a guy that specializes in scouting new talent. They have the seventh pick. Are they keeping that damn pick? Well, I think you probably hired him, right? Because he's the cap specialist and the draft specialist. To see, like, okay, here's what we can do uh, with this pick. There's going to be player A, player B, player C that are that could potentially fall to us. Here's their floor. Mm-hmm. Here's their ceiling. Here's what we can. Here's who we have available to us. We know we can get with this pick. Here's their floor. Here's their ceiling. Mix each of those in and see how the components work with the current climate in Portland. See what that value is and then, for a trade. Yeah, and then he comes back and says, "You know what? Yeah. Tr- trade that pick." Yeah, we'll be better off trading that, that pick. Here's here was the second thought that came through my mind. Portland is hedging their bets. Yeah, because like what you said, I agree. But also, if the Blazers decide to go for that rebuild, who better to have on your staff than someone who knows the draft? the draft inside and out yep. like Mike Schmitz. It makes all the sense in the world to me. I mean, as as far as off-season moves go, I think this is the biggest move they made so far. It's, it's going to be wild come what the 27th? Is it the 20 is it the 27th? I'm going to have to verify that, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, man, whenever whenever draft day hits, it's going to be nuts. And Blazer fans, I hope you have your popcorn ready because I anticipate a lot of movement, a lot of things being done. Uh, something that we are not used to in years past with Olshay at the helm because he liked to show us a shiny turd and tell us everything was going to be okay. But on the 23rd, yep. it's, it's D-Day. We will know. I, I personally feel like on the 23rd, we're going to know what we're in for. If Portland... My thought is, if Portland keeps that pick, they're doing it for a reason. And they're going to potentially rebuild. They're keeping that pick because they want somebody cheap on a rookie contract. If they trade it, they're going to go all in. But they're not going to keep it. I think that, you're right. I think that's how it's going to go. I think you're right, man. And and truth be told, I'm really excited for it. I think this is one of the most exciting off seasons that we're we're entering into. And I, like I said, get your popcorn ready because it's there's going to be movement, and I I can't wait to see it. I'm excited, Eric. I want to thank you for joining me once more. 
Uh, big shout out to you, the Encyclopedia Foster, the Basketball Podcast Network, DraftKings, and especially you, our listeners, Twitter followers, and bucket busters. You make it so easy to keep stepping up to this mic. Keep reaching out to us on Twitter at Busted Bucket with your comments and questions. We love building community with you all. Don't forget to rate, follow, and subscribe, and leave a review if you're digging what we're saying. Be good to each other, Rip City. We'll catch you next time on the Busted Bucket Podcast. Thanks for listening.